you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lulovich here. And Lucy Dickens. You're listening to the Juggle Podcast, and it is Women's Health Week. Yes. Now, self-care is not something that Lucy and I are very good at, and I'm speaking for both of us because we often discuss it. So rather than just have an episode of the two of us talking about the things that we don't do for self-care, we (laughs) thought we might actually invite some expert guests to share some things that we should be doing, we could be doing, and some practical ways to fit them into our lives. And self-care is a pretty broad category. Because it's Women's Health Week, we're taking a special approach. We've got two guest interviews and we have a bonus at the end in the form of a third special guest who has something a little bit different for us. Yeah, so make sure you stick around for it. We'll tell you a little bit in a second. And these first two guests, we're not just going to have his interview one and his interview two. We've actually sort of conducted these interviews and taken snippets from each of the interviews and meshed them together so that we can share their answers to some different topics that we were discussing. So definitely exploring something a bit different this weekend, and we would love to know what you think about it. The first guest is Taryn Watson. Taryn is the owner of a physiotherapy practice and Pilates clinic called FitRight. Taryn, I first met 10 years ago when I had my firstborn, and she was my women's health physio after the birth, and she was absolutely fabulous. And I've watched her and her career and her business with interest the last 10 years. She's a mum herself. She has a nearly three-year-old son and she's currently pregnant with number two. After going through and getting her master's qualifications, she realized that she was really disheartened by the lack of appropriate exercise options for pregnant and postnatal women and women in general, particularly around pelvic floor issues. So she focused right in on the Pilates and started FitRight and that conducts group fitness classes, but it also has a real core of training other physios and fitness professionals to make sure that they understand the importance of pelvic floor and women's health when it comes to conducting exercise classes. The second guest we have is Catherine Maslin. Catherine's a qualified naturopath, nutritionist, author, and she hosts her very own podcast, which is called The Shift. Both Joe and I met Catherine at the Happy Lawyer, Happy Life Club retreat, where we saw her talk about self-care and we both loved her presentation and the homework that she gave us. She made us all go away and and create a self-care plan. Catherine has a broad range of experience and expertise when it comes to women's health. So she was definitely high up there on the list of people who we wanted to get on to talk to us for this week. She now heads up the team at Shift, which includes 15 in her Brisbane clinic, as well as a virtual team of naturopaths who help patients with their natural health memberships. So both of these lovely women are mostly going to be talking to us about our bodies. But when Lucy and I were talking about Health Week, we thought, well, it's clearly not just talking about our physical body health as such. And we wanted to take it a little bit deeper than that. And think about our mind and spirit as well. We've spoken to my sister, Katrina, a couple of times about the mental load and a few other things about helping us think in the right ways and be kind to ourselves and uh, mentally. So we thought we'd make it even more of a family show and invite Lucy's (laughs) sister on as well. We're all about the sisterhood, right? Yeah, exactly. So my sister, one of my sisters, Alice Edwards, she's a yoga and meditation teacher and she runs health and wellness events around Perth. 
She also does coaching for women, particularly in relation to happiness and mental well-being. So she seemed quite suitable for the episode today. But instead of interviewing her in the typical way that we normally do, instead we've asked her to do a short meditation for you. We know that meditation is something that a lot of people use to help calm their minds and take care of their mental health and their spirit. The type of meditation that Alice is doing for us today is called Yoga Nidra. And the reason why she chose this one is because yoga nidra means yogic sleep and it's designed to make you feel like you've had sleep. And I think sleep, I'm saying sleep a lot. I think sleep (laughs) is something that we all could do with a bit more of. And she told me before we hit record that 30 minutes of yoga nidra is supposed to make you feel like you've had between two and four hours sleep. Yeah, that sounds like something we could all do with. She's only done a short snippet for us. She's done us a 10-minute meditation, which we'll put at the end here. We will also release it as a separate bonus episode. So if you do, after listening to the episode, want to go back and listen to that again, you can find it easily without having to listen back to the whole episode again. Awesome. Stay tuned. Don't forget to have your little bit of relax and uh, quasi-sleep at the end of this interview. (laughs) So we started off with Catherine Maslin talking generally about self-care. Let's begin with talking about what self-care actually is and why it's important. And this is something that's really dear to my heart because I know for me, if I don't keep up with my self-care, everything falls apart. And it's the same time and time again. And you mentioned, Joe, about mums and how much we give. We give to everyone. So you're the wife, you're the mother, you've often got your parents and like all these different things and your work dynamic. And often we put ourselves last and it's not until the body breaks down and we start getting exhausted and our adrenals give out that it's only then that we're like, I'm feeling really shitty and I've got to do something about this, right? (laughs) And that's not good enough. If we leave it until we're in a heap to get help and to practice self-care, what that means is it's going to be really hard to get out of that hole because by the time you're at that breaking point, the physiology, the emotional state, all of the things that have gotten you to this point are going to be so much more difficult to reverse and take a lot more time. But unfortunately, what we observe is that we tend to soldier on and then only deal with things we can't. So self-care is about prevention. It's about looking at what do I need to thrive and what do I need to stop myself from getting down into that place where I'm not functioning well and I'm not feeling good and I'm not loving my life. So I like to think of self-care on multiple levels. It's not just about having a facial or a massage, right? It's, it's really about nurturing yourself and it's about honoring yourself and honoring that you deserve to be looked after and that you deserve to be put first. And anyone that's flipped this switch and noticed this is that when you look after yourself first, before your kids, before your husband, before all the work stuff, everyone else gets looked after better because you have something in your tank to actually work with, right? Mm. So we want to look at that. Self-care is, I would say, like a divine responsibility. You need to look after yourself because without that, how are you going to cultivate that other positive stuff in your life? Despite knowing what self-care is and how important it is, so many of us still put it last. I have my hand up, Joe. <laughs> Me too. You probably do too. <laughs> the biggest excuse we all have is time, but maybe if we really liked the things that we were doing for self-care, we might prioritize it a bit more. Oh, it's so true. And Taryn had some really great things to share about this. I've been watching that Marie Kondo show recently about organizing your life and and she talks about sparking joy and finding things possessions wise she's talking about that spark joy but I think that's probably what 
that rang a bell when I was thinking about self-care because I think there are certain things in my life that whenever I do them, I feel like a slight sense of indulgence or a slight sense of, oh, this is just for me, (laughs) that create joy. And I think making sure that I include those things in my life is probably what I would see as self-care. I loved that comment that Taryn had about thinking about sparking joy. It seems like Marie Kondo comes up everywhere. So why not in terms of self-care as well? Yeah, exactly. What sparks joy for you, Jo? I love getting a massage and I love getting particularly a foot massage and a pedicure at the same time. That's good. I was never into massage until I was pregnant with Harry. In fact, now I see it as an essential because I really notice a difference when my shoulders have been loosened up and I'm not tense and tight. It makes such a big difference to me. So yeah, I like massage too. And also walking and fresh air. I just like being outside in the fresh air. Yeah, beautiful sunny day. And if you're sitting out like on a deck or in a nice chair, I usually, yeah, that that sparking joy of sitting down in a nice comfy chair with a drink, maybe a snack and a really good book. Always a snack. What do you mean yeah. maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Always a snack. <laughs> well, I might have just had lunch, you know, and retreated to the deck for a bit of a relax. I'm not sure. <laughs> Fair enough. I still take a snack. <laughs> We have toddlers, we have snacks everywhere. Now, in terms of practical tips, let's listen to what Taryn and Catherine both had to say about how we can make time for that snack and drink on the deck with a book. I think the the first one is probably something I've also realised recently was that when Benji was born, I stopped prioritising like beauty appointments and hairdresser appointments and stuff like that. And I would I would every now and then go to an appointment to get my nails done or something. And they'd say, do you want to book another appointment? And I'd say, oh, no, I'll call when I can. (laughs) And it never happened. You know, it went six months and I'd just feel ick (laughs) about the fact that I hadn't made time for it. And so, um, yeah, recently I have started saying yes and prioritising like six weekly or, or eight weekly doing each of those appointments, the beautician, the nails, the hair, you know, that's definitely making me feel better. I think another thing is about screen time and that's something I'm not very good at minimising but another tip for self-care would probably be trying to limit screen time more than I do and trying to limit that especially around um, around sleep in the evening. I know there's a lot of research about blue light from screens close to sleep time and how it can drastically affect the quality of sleep and things. And also I've read some research about screen time first thing in the morning and like getting onto checking emails and social media being the first thing that you do in the morning. I'm guilty of that too. And I'm very aware that that's something that I am trying not to do so much because I think the last thing at night and the first thing in the morning should probably be non-work related, non-reactive sort of stuff like that, that makes you make lists in your head all night long. (laughs) So I'm trying to have like magazines and things like that that are more the before bed routine. The biggest thing that I would say for self-care, there's there's a couple of things. The first one is you need to create space, okay? And space is where we're not doing anything, okay? So it means we're not checking social media, we're not reading, we're not listening to an audio book, we're not listening to a podcast. We literally have space in our lives. This is something I'm really conscious of because I know that if I fill all my space that, that I get really not, not great in my head. Mm. Now, if there's one takeaway from this, Try not to be on any social media for one entire day, okay? And I'm not saying do it for a month or whatever. 
do it as an experiment to notice how you react to that. How often are you reaching for your phone? How often do you have a thought or an emotion and you want to instantly jump on Facebook and check out, right? Because social media is generally toxic and it's because of the way that we use it. We're conditioned to use it in a way where it's automatic and it's not conscious and we're jumping in and we're just mindless, yeah, and we're scrolling and there's no end to your Facebook feed. Have you noticed? There's no like the end. Now put (laughs) your phone down. It just goes and goes and goes and you're on this tangent. So it's important to really monitor that because the biggest thing that takes up our space these days is social media. Okay. Mm. Social media and also working from a place that is non-intentional and a bit more frantic. So when we overwork, we tend to get less done and uh, we work longer hours. So it's funny that by creating space and having these gaps in your day and being mindful and trying to control your calendar, you will be more productive and that time will be more fruitful. And I know this because I see it in myself that if I'm really good with my calendar, I have my to-do list, I have my goals, I then break that down, I put it in the calendar and I have breaks in the calendar. If those breaks aren't in the calendar, it can be so easy to be like, you know, not getting on top of stuff or you're in the office and then your team's asking you this. So you have to set those those boundaries for yourself to create space. It's really important. I've seen that too with, with the space concept. I've been on maternity leave for about six months or so. And although I've been on leave, I've been working here and there. But what I have been doing is I've been really conscious of doing what I feel like doing. And I know we don't all get the luxury of doing that all the time. And I'm not saying it's something that will last forever. But what I've been doing is listening to my body. And if I feel tired or if I feel sad or if I feel happy and I just want to dance around the lounge with my daughter, I just do those things instead of doing the things I think I should be doing. But all the stuff still gets done. It's going with the flow of my energy and doing what I want to do means that I get the other stuff done quicker. Oh, 100%. Everybody's so different. So there's no perfect, this is the perfect day or week. You need to really sit down and go, what are the list of things that I need to thrive? And mm-hmm. for you, it might be, I need to drink two liters of water a day. You know, it might be, I need movement. You know, it might be, I need to laugh out loud, you know, yeah. like, so I need to watch funny movies or hang out with friends, or I need to make dedicated family time where I literally leave my phone at home so I can be fully present with my kids. All right. So for me, the elephant in the room when it comes to self-care is always exercise. It seems to be the thing that we all know we should be doing, but we don't perhaps make the time for it. And you've just said that sparking joy for you is a nice walk, but mm-hmm. yeah, for me, yeah, I don't really tend to think of exercise and sparking joy. <laughs> Not so much. I don't think of exercise as sparking joy. When I think exercise, I think gym. And that's not joyful to me. I've never had a gym membership. I don't think, no, if I've even been in a real gym. Probably not. I don't know. I don't like gym. But walk, I can do walk. (laughs) So I think it depends what we think of when we think of exercise. And and I know that walking is exercising. But to me, I don't think of it that way. But I also take Lily and Harry and I bought a double pram, especially so I could put them in the pram and go for a walk around where we live and stop off at a park and everybody gets nice fresh air and the benefit of me having moved. Everybody benefits from that. Yeah. And that's something that we talked to Taryn about. We were talking about how we can fit exercise in because a lot of people have the idea that they've got to go to a gym or they've got to go to a class or something else. So we're having that discussion about how we can fit it in Mm. and also the benefit of exercising with our kids. My tip there with exercise would probably be the ability to adapt as your children go through different phases with whether you do that exercise, you prioritise that when they're awake or they're asleep or when they're at kindy or, or with you. And I think that wherever possible, if you can 
fit exercise in when they're awake, then you don't feel like that's that chore that you have to do when you get that alone time, yes. um, which sometimes is what I was feeling like. And a friend of mine said, don't exercise when they're asleep, exercise when they're awake. <laughs> and I try as much as I can to, you know, set up, even if it's five minutes at a time, do some exercise at the park or put a TheraBand out the back um, around a pole and while Benji's painting or doing Play-Doh or something, do that because otherwise it gets forgotten about. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of different ways. I mean, you just said a couple, but you know, some of the others that spring to mind, just sticking the baby in the pram and going for a walk, if that's, if that's yeah. right. And I think that's what I mean about adapting because um, when I was, when Benji was under 18 months old, maybe even under two, but definitely in that first year of his life, every morning I'd get him in the pram and go for a walk and it would make me feel so much better. But he would fall asleep within five or 10 minutes of usually five or 10 minutes Ah. of screaming. And it was my own time then, Mm. you know, um, Whereas now, if I try and put him in the pram and go for a walk, it's 20 minutes of whinging and it's not enjoyable and I don't count that as self-care. <laughs> so I have to keep adapting with my exercise and how it fits in around Benji. <laughs> I just started, I know Lucy says that she used to run, whereas now it's walking because she'll put the kids in the pram and she'll go for a walk with them. And I think they sit in there a little bit easier than perhaps Benji does. But with my daughter, she's almost 10 and she started, um, I've gone in and out of running phases and I usually sign myself up for a 10K or something like that just to commit to doing something. And yes. she started doing it with me. So we we signed up earlier this year to a 5K and we did some training and then ran the 5K together, which was really nice. And for That's me, so lovely. also so much about encouraging the next generation to exercise as part of their normal day. Yeah. That's something I, I didn't say before, but I, I meant to, was um, that opportunity for Benji to see me for five minutes at a time, prioritizing moving rather yes. than sitting and watching him. I can't help but think, and, and there is research to show this as well, that toddlers and young children who watch their mothers, their parents exercise, are less likely to have obesity and other issues in later life. Even at that early age, I think that it's being instilled in them that that's a normal part of daily life. Yes. And um, when we started our toddler and me classes, which are for the fit right classes for six months to you know four or five years. Oh, really? You take um, the, you let people take their kids. Yeah, they, they bring their kids and we have community volunteers who are in the same room, so it's not like a crèche situation. So they sort of sometimes come over to the, the mats and join in, but <laughs> even if they don't, even if they're over in the corner playing with the volunteers, they're seeing an hour of their mums exercising, yeah. you know, and I just love that. I think that so many of the mums tell me that then at home their kids are asking to do Pilates with them. Oh, that's like, great. How great is that? A word of warning though, and as I mentioned before, With exercise, you need to choose the one that's right for you and your body. And maybe high impact isn't right. I know, and this is potentially TMI, but also let's just be real. (laughs) After I had Harry, I really wanted to go for a jog. I was so set on getting back into the outside fresh air thing and I was walking and it was all going really well. And I was like, I'm going to pick up the pace. And I started jogging and that didn't really go very well for me. So I had to return home and decided that maybe it was a bit too soon for that. Mm. So yes, Darren has does share with us about making sure we focus on our pelvic floor and find the right exercise for us. It's so wonderful for so many things. You know, for women who do that, 
their bone health is going to be probably so wonderful going forward and osteoporosis probably won't be a problem like it was. And heart health is probably wonderful as well. Um, it's just pelvic floor isn't really looked at as part of what's happening with that. Yeah, I know. So we're creating women with potentially stronger muscles everywhere else and stronger bones than before and potentially stronger hearts, which is wonderful. And we don't want to turn people off doing that sort of exercise, but there needs to be more of a uh, focus on is your pelvic floor matching the pressures that you're, that you're, um, you're handing it, <laughs> that you're, you're putting down on it. The thing that started FitRight was that my year-long research project, which um, interviewed almost 400 women, surveyed them. It asked about leaking with exertion, leaking urine with exertion as one of the questions. And it was 49.8% of people replied saying yes, anonymous survey. And you can't really 100% take anything from that extrapolating to the whole population of women who go to gyms. But from other surveys that have been done on similar groups but women who don't necessarily go to the gym, just women across the board, it's more like 30%. So to be closer to 50% in a group of women who are trying very hard to do the right thing, but possibly, yeah, unmasking symptoms because of high impact or high load exercise. Often the other side of the coin to exercise is nutrition. And to be honest, that's also something I don't always feel like I'm that great at. We eat healthy meals. We definitely do. But I think it's the snacks in between that really get me. See, here's me being like, take your snacks with yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So long as the snacks are, you know, fruit or, mm. you know, carrot sticks or something like that. But it's too often. It's just it's not like, as good as chocolate. No. <laughs> And I loved that when we spoke to Catherine, you know, she talked about the fact that it's okay to have your glass of wine and it's okay to have your chocolate and those kinds of things. Yeah. And we've got to remember that, but it is important to get the other things in too. So it was great that she shared the big tips on avoiding, again, the excuse of time when it comes to preparing healthy meals and some small changes that we can make to have big results. Probably the biggest one for me is usually gluten, cutting out gluten foods. And that's just because there's so much research on gluten. And if you're eating gluten foods, you're eating processed foods, you know, so you're going to be eating the cereals, you're going to be eating the breads, you're going to be eating the crackers, et cetera. So going gluten-free is, is one, and it's not too difficult, but it's, it's that being conscious around it. Planning, I think, is really important and bulk cooking for women like us. You know, I've always got backup stuff in the freezer. So like at the moment, I keep all my jars. So I've got a freezer full of jars. So I've got jars of legumes. I've got jars of soups. I've got jars of, of stews. So if I'm like going to work today, I can easily grab one out. By the time it's lunchtime, it's defrosted. I can throw it in the microwave. I've got good food. So it's, and it doesn't take me much. I put it in a slow cooker or I do a big soup. Like I, I'm simplicity because I don't like things that take me ages and ages. Like I like to to be really a lot easier with that. When I'm looking at nutrition, it's coming back to intention and just consciousness around what you're doing. I do recommend if people haven't for a little while, keep a diet diary and have a look and track at what you're doing because a lot That's of- scary. It, yeah, it is. But what you <laughs> want to be is conscious of this because if you're, if you're like every day, I go to the charity chocolate thing in the office, which they're all <laughs> bloody husband, and I do that or I go for sugar, okay? So it's like, what is it about 3 p.m.? Are you tired? Do you need a pick-me-up? Are you not breathing? Are you in stress? Do you need to have some nice healthy snacks in your drawer. So once you identify the behavior and where you're doing stuff wrong, you can plan for success. So I think that's one of the biggest things with nutrition is everyone's told don't eat sugar, cut out wheat, do this, but they're not told how to plan for success. 
So yeah. then they do it yeah. and they're like, okay, yep, I'm doing it. And a week yeah. later they're like, you know, back in the old habits because they haven't identified what's, mm. what's the cause. It is. It's about preparation, isn't it? When Harry was younger, I tried dairy-free and some other little bits and pieces because I thought he had an intolerance to something in my breast milk. And when I started it, I thought, this is going to be hard. I'm practically vegan. How am I going to do this? I'm never going to be able to eat out. But it actually wasn't hard at all. It was just you had to think about it and you can't just grab some junk food to eat. You have to just be a little bit more prepared. And as long as you are, it's, it's not that hard. This is where seeing a good naturopath or nutritionist can be good, even for them to go, all right, you've got to change 50 things, but these mm-hmm. are the top three that are going to get mm-hmm. the most Do it slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I look at with my patients is there's, there's two ways we're looking at it. We're looking at treating the cause and permanently fixing stuff, but symptomatically there's things that are you going to do that are going to make you feel better than not. Um, and this is where I know that if people can cut out gluten from their diet, it can help really, really quickly. And the other really big one is just eat more veggies like old school. It's what grandma told you. It's what your mum told you, but eat more veggies any way you can. I do like a breakfast, um, like a stew, I guess. So I do like, I fry up some onions. I put in legumes normally. So some beans, chickpeas, and I've got jars full of legumes in my freezer as well. Like it's my thing. (laughs) So easy. I just defrost it. I chuck it in there and I just put veggies, whatever veggies I've got. And it might be chopped up sweet potato, like carrot, broccoli, Brussels sprouts in the current one. And then I'll either put some bone broth in there or some miso and I'll make a big pot. And that's my breakfast for like four days in a row and that's easy and I just reheat it on the stove I put it on low okay I shouldn't probably say this because of danger fire but I put it on low I've got an electric stove and I have a shower and then by the time I get out of the shower it's ready to have breakfast yeah (laughs) just safety first people (laughs) but that's like four serves of veggies straight up in the morning Mm. I could have had toast I could have had gluten-free pancakes to make for my my daughter but instead I've started my day with those veggies and then you're building on it from there so I think having veggies for brekkie is a good tip it can, it can help just to set the, the scene for the day. Do you think our tastes change to crave those things? Because I'm currently addicted to almond spread, which tastes delicious. And I'm eating way too much of it, like four slices a day and like <laughs> thick spread. Like it's, it's bad. You won't be happy with me. Blame it on the breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'll, I'll come up with some excuse. You're, you're feeding too. <laughs> I'd quite like to be healthy and have veggies for breakfast, but I just don't want that in the morning. How do I make myself want that in the morning? I think you've just got to try it. And it is, you do get used to it. Cause I used to have, well, I'd have buckwheat pancakes with my daughter or I'd have a porridge probably like more, more of a grain based stuff. But now I just don't want it. It's really interesting. Like that's what I crave now. Like I crave mm-hmm. that nourishment and what I'm getting out of it. You just have to teach your body that that's what it needs. That's right. Or you could do like a smaller breakfast and then for morning tea, have something, you know, like a bit more substantial. You could do that as well. Another one that I get my patients to do is I get them to do um, soups as a snack. So, you know, like you would make a crappy cup of soup, like just doing soups and having that reheating it and having it as a snack for morning tea, afternoon tea. So then you're getting all your veggies in, et cetera, but it's quite light that it fills you up. It's kind of a nice way to go. Now, after listening to all of this, we also wanted to share this special piece of advice that Catherine shared with us. Yeah, this was her advice to everyone listening. You know how we always ask these at the end of the interview about the mantra and the advice, and this was Catherine's. I think it's stop judging yourself. Be kind to yourself. I think as women, we're often our biggest critics, biggest Mm self-critics, and we judge ourselves for not being good enough and not being enough and just 
be happy with where you are right now and build on that. You don't need to be something else. You are good enough. You are enough. It's just a matter of being educated and owning that, I think, so that you can then want to look after yourself and want to give yourself that self-care you deserve. We hope that you enjoyed the slightly different interview style that we've put together for you this week. And as promised at the beginning, we have another special little snippet for you, which is the yoga nidra meditation that we touched on at the start. So just a reminder, what this is, is a meditation known as yogic sleep. 30 minutes of yoga nidra is supposed to make you feel like you've had two to four hours sleep. Now, a word of warning, don't listen to this if you're driving. <laughs> what are the other warnings? Operating heavy machinery. I don't know. what. <laughs> All those kinds of things. Let's just be sensible about it. Find somewhere safe to sit calmly and relax and listen through. Ideally, you could do it at your lunch break and go find some sunny spot outside and just after you've eaten your lunch, just turn it on and have a listen. So enjoy. Thanks for listening. Please sit comfortably and close your eyes. Palms resting in your lap, facing upwards. Let there be a gentle smile on your face, a conscious smile to help you stay alert and present. During this meditation, please use and absorb what you need in the moment and leave the rest behind. If your mind becomes overactive with thoughts or worries, just come back to the sound of my voice. With a gentle smile, be aware of your surroundings. Gradually become aware of the sounds around you. Become aware of yourself in the chair, completely relaxed. Relaxing through the body, relaxing the face, softening your eyes, your jaw, relaxing your shoulders and noticing the rise and the fall of your belly. Become aware of your natural breath, your natural spontaneous breath that moves in and out of your body without any effort. The natural breath flows in through both nostrils. Notice the feeling of the breath as it comes in and out. There's a sense of coolness as you inhale. Follow this feeling into your nose, down the back of your throat and into your lungs. Noticing the sense of warmth as you exhale. Feel this warmth on your upper lip as you breathe out. The natural breath flows through both nostrils during the inhale 
and the exhale. Allow this breath to become longer and slower. Taking a long, slow inhale, followed by a longer, slower exhale. Making your exhale even slower. And noticing that slight pause. Slow inhale. Even slower exhale. And pause. Feel that urge to breathe bubble up inside of you. When you need to inhale, please do so. Long, slow inhale. Longer, slower exhale. And then pause. Where the body is neither breathing in or out. Please continue breathing in this way. Returning back to your natural and easy breath, releasing any control over the inhale or exhale, but with every exhale, noticing any tension in the body fading away. The body's becoming heavier and heavier. With that conscious smile on your face, You're feeling aware, you're feeling present, you're feeling calm. We'll begin to count the breath for a few moments. Inhale one, exhale one. Inhale two, exhale two. Continue counting with your own breath. If you lose track of where you are at any point, or if you become distracted, starting at one again. Coming back to the feeling of your breath flowing in, and out of your nostrils. Maintain your awareness of your breath and at the same time develop your awareness of your physical body. Your body is relaxed. Taking a deep inhale, the deepest inhale that you've taken all day and sighing it out. Repeating that again two times, making your inhale a little deeper each time. (sighs) 
Notice the heaviness of your body and take into your awareness all of the points that are touching the floor or the chair. Without opening your eyes, visualise the area surrounding you. Imagine where you're sitting and all of the objects that you know surround you. You're slowly starting to move while keeping your eyes closed. Move your hands by wiggling your fingers, drawing circles with your wrists. You can wiggle your toes and slowly move your ankles, drawing circles with your head, slowly releasing your neck. And as you're ready, You can slowly blink your eyes open, coming back into the room. The practice of Yoga Nidra is now complete. Thank you for meditating with me.